Yeah, I think we were mentioning this because she she wrote under a lot of pseudonyms, right? Yeah. Do you know how many, if I say a number between 100 and 300, <laughs> how many fake names did Fanny Crosby use? You'd hope it'd never get to 100. Welcome back to another episode of Him Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Monet Funke. And I'm Cara Devro. We've mentioned the Queen of Gospel oh so many times, but this week we're finally doing an episode on one of Fanny Crosby's own hymns, Blessed Assurance. It's well known and widely sung. We're going to be looking at the incredible life of the hymn writer herself. We're going to hear in her own words how Blessed Assurance came to be. And we're going to be reminded of the unwavering assurance that we have. But first, before we jump into all that fun, we want to encourage you to keep in touch so that you never miss an episode. If you're listening on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and ring the bell so that you're notified of when our next episode drops. We're available anywhere you listen to your podcast, but the best way of all to keep in touch is by heading over to himpartial.com and subscribing to our free weekly newsletter. This is only released once a week and comes with all kinds of fun bonus content that you cannot get anywhere else. So... Go to impartial.com and sign up today. Yep. Another good reason why you should sign up for our email newsletter and why we keep going on about it is because um, social media is getting more and more uh, biased. We actually have a friend who's put in Facebook jail this week. So um, yeah, email is the best way to be able to stay in touch and make sure that you don't miss anything. So blessed assurance. Before we get to the hymn, I think it is important to talk about the woman, the myth, the legend herself. So Fanny Crosby came from very humble beginnings. She mm. was actually born Frances Jane Crosby in New York State in 1820. So there is question about whether she was blind from birth or not, because it's really hard to tell with babies, especially in the 1820s. Mm-hmm. Um, but when she was only a few weeks old, she had an infection um, that included infection in her eyes and the family's regular doctor was away. So they hired a different guy who turned out to be a quack. Oh. Um and he put hot poultices on her eyes, which ended up scarring them. Mm. Um, they took her to another doctor, but like a real one this time. <laughs> um, and he wasn't able to help. So from then on, she could kind of sense the difference between light and darkness, but she really couldn't see anything else. Yeah. Monet, do you have an opinion on whether Fanny Crosby <laughs> was blind from birth or you kind of just... You know, someone had a go at us like maybe a month or two ago and they're saying Fanny Crosby was not blind from birth. But you know what? Like we said, like six weeks old is very, very young. I mean, I know for a fact, like, you know, we have a baby and it's seriously like hard to tell what he can see and when. It's like, okay, I know you can see light and dark. Can you see my face? Can you see my teeth? Can you see all the details? Like, you know... So one of one of the bios that I read on her actually said the parents weren't sure if it was the treatment or if she was blind from birth and they just hadn't noticed because, you know, what are they going to, I think we live in a, in an age where you're obsessively looking at everything going on with your baby and then, <laughs> and maybe that wasn't necessarily the case back in Franny's day. So um, I'll let the, I'll let the audience decide 
what they think. It's really hard to tell. No one really knows for sure. Not even her parents know for sure. But I think the the sum of it is that she was blind from very, very young, that her ability to see was pretty much not of her memory, you know? Yeah. I, I think it, in the end, it doesn't actually matter because mm-hmm. it's not like she remembers ever seeing anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess they just assumed because of the scarring, that's what caused it. But mm-hmm. we don't know and it doesn't matter. <laughs> but the tragedy continues. Oh. A few weeks later, her father passed away um, and her mother had to hire herself out as a maid in order to provide for the family mm-hmm. while Fanny's grandmother raised her. And that's like that was a much bigger thing in those days, um, having a single parent family, especially if it was only the mother left. Yeah. Um, so it's not like now when you can get benefits and things. Um, it was really hard on her and she almost never saw her mother because being mm. a maid is, you know, long hours and things. Um, it was actually her grand, grand's keenness and support that helped her. Her grand would always describe everything to her mm-hmm. and that kind of helped develop her own descriptive abilities. Mm. But more importantly... She instilled in Fanny Crosby a love for God's word and a trust in him. Mm. And sometimes, understandably, um, Fanny would become depressed that she couldn't learn like the other children around her did. Mm. And it was in those times that her granny particularly encouraged her to bring her troubles before God in prayer and pray to him to help her with the knowledge that she needed. Mm. And the answer came in 1834, Fanny learned about the New York Institute for the Blind, which was a school. Um, And it was an answer to prayer for sure. So she enrolled there when she was 15 and she went on to teach there for 23 years after she graduated. She was a teacher of history and rhetoric. And she became something of a celebrity there. Um, They used to ask her to write poems for just about every occasion. And sometimes they'd even make something an occasion so that she'd write a poem for it. It's Tuesday. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, it's someone's half birthday. Please, a poem. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So in 1858, she actually married a guy called Alexander Van Alstein, also blind. He was a former pupil. Oh. I saw a picture of the two of them together and they were both like wearing their sunglasses and doing the Victorian staring really seriously into <laughs> space. And they just looked so, I don't know. They just looked so cool. I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> they were, uh, I was going to say precious, but I guess precious is not maybe the best description, but I think it's kind of cute. One of the fun things, though, about her husband was that he was considered one of the finest musicians in the New York area. Really? Yeah, but I couldn't really find out much about him. What did he play? I don't know. I couldn't find out much about him. (laughs) I I, I think he composed, and I expect he probably played piano. Okay. But I'm not sure. I would have to go find out about that. Yeah. Um, so it was only recently that I discovered that Fanny Crosby and Francis Jane Van Alstyne were the same person. (laughs) I thought they were two different hymn writers, (laughs) but they're not. It's just her maiden name and her married name, uh, which reminds me, it's estimated that she wrote 8,000 gospel songs in her lifetime. 8,000. 
that's not even including all the poetry and the kind of not gospel songs that she yeah. wrote. Yeah, wow. Um, but it's hard to get an exact number. Yeah, I think we were mentioning this because she she wrote under a lot of pseudonyms, right? Yeah. Do you know how many, if I say a number between 100 and 300, <laughs> how many fake names did Fanny Crosby Goodness use? Gracious. You'd hope it'd never get to 100, uh, 102. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it was 200 that we oh, know of. Goodness gracious. You gotta give the girl credit for creativity. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I remember this that she had she had to basically write under pseudonym so people wouldn't be like hating on the song because she wrote it. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't be like uh, another Crosby. Uh, mm, let's skip it. <laughs> yeah, she was kind of monopolizing the hymn book by that point. So besides Fanny Crosby and Frances Jane Van Alstyne, some of the <laughs> other names she used were Ella Dale, Mrs. Kate Gringley, um, Miss Viola V.A., and just any number of names that Sean <laughs> might have called Gus during an episode of Psych. <laughs> I was going to say, this almost feels like a character in a show, like, oh, what do I want to be today? <laughs> It did make me wonder, though, maybe there are no other hymn writers. Maybe it's just Fanny Crosby. <laughs> just check your books for any any uh, hymns written during her lifetime. It's probably just her that wrote it. The conspiracy is what it is. It is. <laughs> so the girl was a machine, um, yeah. and she's been influencing our hymn books for over 100 years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a lot of her hymns were written when visiting preachers would request a hymn on a particular theme. which if you think about it is similar to what we saw John Newton and Isaac Watts doing when they were writing their own hymns to fit their sermons each Mm week. Other hymns were composed when her musician friends would write a tune and they'd basically take it to her and they'd be like, so what are the words for this? And she would just (laughs) go, here you go. Wow. Yep. Um, yeah, she, she she had an undeniable gift. Yeah, um, and one that I think will continue to serve the church for a long time. Sorry, I was just gonna say that's that's really incredible when you think. Um, if I know we're not supposed to covet because that's a sin, um, but I do find when you come across talented people like this in history. Like, wow, like how much talent God gave that one person. You know, you might be like, oh, but, you know, she was blind. She had a, 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 a difficult life because of this, you know, um, disability or special need that she had. But you, that didn't come across in her life. That didn't come across in how she lived her life. She lived her life extraordinarily uh, for someone who had perfect sight. You know, if she had perfect sight and did all that she did, you'd be like, wow. And she didn't. And yet she had all this talent in her, you know, this God-given talent to write hymns and poetry um, and to bless people, like seriously bless people with her talent. And like you said, still is to this day. So it's really incredible to see how God works through people and how much talent he gives them. 
and I'm not supposed to covet. I will not covet. I shall not covet. <laughs> it's funny you saying about like despite the fact she was blind because people did ask her they were kind of like oh isn't it such a shame that you were born blind and I can't remember the exact quote but to paraphrase she was basically said no because the first face I'll ever see is going to be Jesus so what's there to complain about (laughs) that's gonna make me cry (laughs) yeah yeah I'll find the actual quote but yeah I should probably mention that she did live to 95 So although she didn't waste her life, she did have a lot more of it than a lot of people. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So she had a bit more time to cram everything in. Mm -hmm. So, for example, she actually ended up knowing a bunch of different presidents of the United States. Oh, yeah, that makes sense, huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It just makes sense. (laughs) She Yeah, she was being asked to write poetry for various important occasions. Mm -hmm. Um. So some of the presidents she knew personally were Martin Van Buren, the eighth president, John Tyler, the 10th, James K. Polk, the 11th, and Grover Cleveland, the 22nd and the 24th. Goodness. Which when you think about it, the eighth president to the 24th president, (laughs) like that's quite a long time. Yes. Um, Yeah. She was, a, she was a really incredible woman. Mm-hmm. I do have a point of caution in my mind about her mm-hmm. in that I've read that she said her hymns were like inspired by God mm-hmm. and I didn't manage to dig up her original quote. So I wasn't 100% sure what she meant by inspired. It wasn't clear whether she meant kind of inspired in the same way that scripture is inspired or inspired in the same way a poet looks at a pretty sunset and they're inspired. Yeah. Um, Jury's out for me. I'd have to do a bit more digging to find out what she was actually saying when she said that. I think it's just important that those who sing and listen to her hymns know that it's not the inspired, like how the Bible is inspired. (laughs) Long as we long as we understand the difference to say this is beautiful, you know, and God glorifying, but not um God breathed. Breathed. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was actually thinking about we talked about this a little bit during our second episode on exclusive psalmody mm. about um hymns and paraphrases not being inspired. Mm-hmm. But to the hymn. <laughs> so the story behind Blessed Assurance is nothing particularly special or unusual for Fanny Crosby, but it's worth introducing at this point another key person into the story. Enter Phoebe Knapp. I think it's Knapp, Knapp with a K. Mm. Um, she and Fanny were good friends but they couldn't have come from more different backgrounds. So Phoebe was the daughter of a well-known Methodist evangelist, Dr. Walter Palmer, Mm. um, and she was married at 16 to a Sunday school worker called Joseph Fairchild Knapp. There's only a seven-year difference, so although she was married young, it wasn't like, you know, someone in their 30s or something. Yeah. So Joseph Fairchild Knapp found founded a successful insurance company and he passed away first but he left her a fortune of $50,000 a year upon his death 
Ooh. I mean, it's a lot now, but yeah. it was even more back then. So yeah. she was minted. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she used most of that for, you know, char- charity work mm-hmm. um, and towards religious things. All right. Um, oh, a great fact about her you're really going to like is that this will show you how rich she was. She had a beautiful pipe organ in her home, Whoa. like her actual home. Wow. And at the time, it was the largest pipe organ ever to be installed in a private home. Wow. And if you don't know why our minds are blown by that, <laughs> you need to go and listen to her organ episode. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. That must have cost her thousands of dollars to get that installed. That's that's quite an accomplishment. I hope she played it. <laughs> oh, she did. She was actually very gifted musically okay, herself. Um, and she wrote, she did write verse. Um, but she published over 500 of her own compositions in her lifetime. Mm. So she herself's no small yeah. musician. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty evident why she and Fanny Crosby got on, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in Crosby's own words when she's talking about how Blessed Assurance was written, she said, my friend Mrs. Knapp composed a melody and played it over to me two or three times on the piano. She then asked me what it said and I immediately replied, Blessed Assurance. So within a few minutes, Fanny Crosby had written the complete poem, as you do, (laughs) um, and she wrote it just as it stands today. Wow. It's pretty incredible and it's the same tune that nap yeah. wrote wow that's one of the fun things about this is that so many of the hymns we've talked about don't get a set tune until mm-hmm. you know a hundred years after the person's died yeah. but this one the tune came first wow yeah um it had instant success and it remains a popular hymn today Mm-hmm. And with such confidence in God and hope in heaven and a cheerful tune, it's kind of easy to see why. Um, Monet, would you mind reading us the lyrics? It's pretty short. It's just three verses in a chorus. Yes, I don't mind at all. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born in his spirit, washed in his blood. And then the refrain is, This is my story, this is my song, praising my savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending, bring from above, echoes of mercy, whispers of love. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. I think I should probably say that I'm not actually that sure about this song. <laughs> <laughs> so the first verse is great, and yeah. there's a lot of truth in it. Uh, we can have assurance because Jesus is ours, we are his. It's a statement of faith in a way, God has purchased us purchased us with the blood of Christ he's given us new birth by the spirit and Mm -hmm. he's made us heirs with Christ and that actually comes from Romans 8 verse 16 to 17 could you read that for us Monet yes yes um the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children 
Then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Amen. So my confusion naturally comes with the second verse. Yes. Um, it's all kind of very happy and exciting, I'm sure, but I don't really understand what's going on <laughs> or what it's trying to say. And I was wondering, Monet, are you able to enlighten us at all? Well, I was actually thinking as I was reading it, how she is painting this vivid picture. And again, like visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Like that is really an interesting line coming from her not being able to see. The thing that makes me a little itchy is perfect submission, perfect delight. I'm not sure if she's just saying once we are in heaven, we have perfect submission, but then I don't, I don't know, maybe. But um, in, the, in the third verse, we're still watching and waiting. And then there's that perfect submission again. All is at rest. I and my savior are happy and blessed. I don't know. I think the thing that makes me itchy is the perfect submission bit. Cause I'm like, we don't perfectly submit to nobody. Unfortunately, mm. that is our, no one is good. No, not even one of, you know, of Romans. That's the truth. Yep. So um, we can please God now through uh, our Lord, the, Jesus Christ. Um, whereas before we couldn't, cause we were in the flesh. I don't perfectly understand that. <laughs> not to overdo the word perfect I don't perfectly understand that perfect submission perfect delight bit unless she's speaking of once the Lord has returned and we are not shackled by our flesh I don't know if that's the right term erase what I said and make it biblical <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know I don't really get what's going on in the second verse um I'm kind of just like, okay, it sounds very poetic, but mm -hmm. I don't understand it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the angels descending. Maybe that is then when God comes back, when Jesus comes back. Yeah. If you are listening and you know exactly what that verse means, please give us some knowledge in the, in the comments because it is a, very well written line, but I can't say for sure I know exactly what's going on. And then obviously from a theological standpoint, I'm saying, well, uh, no. So if we got it wrong, let us know in the comments or send us a note at uh, impartial at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. The other reason we'd love to hear from you is because it's not a good idea to sing things that you have no idea what they mean. Um, so if you can help us, that would be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the third verse picks up again, it is better. Again, mm. you've got that perfect submission thing. Um, and she says, I and my saviour am happy and blessed. Um, I just want to say it's not true that if you I don't know that this isn't what she's saying but I just want to clarify it's not true that if you just submit to Christ then everything will be sunshine and roses no. okay but the assurance that we have from resting in him and trusting in him definitely gives us a kind of a steadiness of heart um and a lasting hope and a joy no matter what befalls us in this world so in this life, no, everything's not 
at rest. <laughs> um, but we are joyful and we are blessed. Yeah. I guess there's like an internal rest that we have in Christ, you know? Yeah. And also, I guess, in submitting to Christ, we find rest um, because we're trusting in him no matter what the outcome yeah. So in that sense, yes. Um, and happy and blessed again, happy in our modern day context, like you said, is like everything sunshine and roses, but someone who is content in the Lord is happy in yeah. the midst of great turmoil and trials and suffering. So it's a, it's a look past the meaning kind of verse, look past the, uh, the most shallow reading kind of verse, I should yeah. say. And think about this in biblical terms. And yes, then that's very true. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you've got the last lines that are looking forward to glory, which glory. we love. And <laughs> I really like those lines because there is something so hopeful and expectant about this. Mm -hmm. um, and of course the chorus is true as well. As Christians, this is our story. We're saved mm -hmm. by grace. We have mm -hmm. the hope of heaven. We have the assurance that Christ is coming back from us. And one day we'll go from singing his praises all the day long to singing his praises eternity long. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but that's actually something I'm really looking forward to. Yes, amen. Definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, to finish on a high note, um, Monet, would you just read for us uh, 1 John 3, 1 to 2, I think it is. Most definitely. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Amen. Great verses. As a side note, this is one of my husband's favorite verses of the Bible. That verse two, um, when, when he appears, we shall be like him because we will see him as he is. Mm. Lots of reflection on that in this house. That, that being able to see the Lord face to face um, is transformative you know, that it's, it's, it's more than just like a privilege of which it definitely is. So that is something definitely to look forward to. And yeah. um, we know that our sister in Christ, Fanny Crosby has already seen him and that's fantastic. So on that lovely note, I think we're going to wrap it up. Thank you, Cara, for giving us the background on this lovely hymn. And let us know what you guys think. I think we maybe mentioned a few things that might ruffle some feathers. If this ruffled your feathers, let us know. We don't, you know, we don't shy away from that. Um, if this is your favorite song, let us know. If you want to hear another song by Fanny Crosby, maybe something that's underrated, send us a note and maybe we'll do it next time. Who knows? Maybe not. Maybe we have to consider if we want to do any more Fanny Crosby songs. I, I, I kid. Um, but until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Bye! Bye.